0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom.
1: Okay. So I thought, okay, then TSA is the spirit anoints what is permissible and what is not, if you want to take it that way. So that means with all of our baggage that we have, eventually the father, the spirit shows us "Mm, that that doesn't fly anymore with you. All right. You're growing. You're going to continue to grow with me. Right. So take that in the same. So, but he is a dedicated, and this is interesting, In ultimately he is the master of his house, it says, right? He's the head of this household here. And it says that, all his household. So this centurion then, Cornelius, sets the standard for his house that he oversees. So he, he sets those standards, and it's clear that it's in all his house, high- he's the head of it. Remind you of something. Something came to me. Tell me if this is, sounds familiar. For I have known him, so that he commands his children to guard the way of Yahuwah to righteousness and righteousness, Rulings so that brings Abraham right what he has spoken of him. So, what I want to do is, in some ways, let's keep Abraham in the background with this event that is starting to play out here with Cornelius and Peter. So, I'll ask this: describe Abraham from. went up because in a member of any tribe of Israel. <laughs> right? So we're going out then in, in the very foundational thinker, sure, we have a pattern or a foundational split in Abram who eventually becomes Abraham, right? He feared Elohim and matured in the in the instructions of God. And he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't part of any tribe, but yet he was the very foundation of something. And this, I believe, will play out later on. So I'm comparing, yeah, in some ways, Cornelius and Abraham, yes. In the simplest of the idea of the centurion, he was a member of a tribe, but yet he feared Elohim. He did good deeds. It was recognized by ultimately Elohim himself. So he wasn't some pagan out there doing wacko things and all of a sudden, no, he was doing good deeds that were according to what the text or what Elohim had set down on Mount Sinai. So. They were called out of a nation in some ways. I would see Cornelius was too. He was Cornelius was changed. His identity in some sense has changed from just... So in a sense, he still was a Roman and a Roman but his walk was different in that way. so in some sense there was a different identity at work which should be the same all of us his deeds like i said get the attention of mark
0: fear comes up we as i mentioned you fear, were talking yeah. about our ninth hour of the day which is this 3 p.m that we've all talked about so much uh, he's praying, and of course you it doesn't say that here, but later he says that that's when he's praying, is during this ninth hour. And another funny thing is, because we're talking about manna this week, what's the what's the English word for manna? It's, what is it? And it's right what? here, it's verse four. <laughs> and he says, what is he it? he says he's, manna? he's saying, yeah, uh-huh. ma- manna. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
1: All right, so that gives us a little bit of background. I think it's very important to understand who Cornelius was, the fullness of who he was. He wasn't just a mere Gentile, okay? There was more to him. And I think that has to be taken into account as we go through with this, if we do get to it today, more understanding the vision that Peter had. Yes, Barry. Um, Mom, this mic is right there by there. You can, thank you.
2: there we can learn a lot about who he was by looking at little details in the scripture for instance he had house people um he one of the people that he sent uh was one of his uh servants in the house and then two of his soldiers so um it calls him a centurion so he was in charge of a lot of soldiers
1: um and the century, being a centurion, I think he—I don't know all the military terms, Barry. Sorry, but he's in—I think—in charge of at least a hundred men or a hundred sections of men. So he had influence where he was. But for sure, he—it was playing out in his household.
2: And it said there were a lot of people in his house when Peter came, so it had to be a fairly large house. Mm-hmm. There's a, but there's a number of details to say that uh, he. He was in charge of a lot of people, made a good sum of money, and was someone important.
1: No, exactly. So, and uh, thank you, Barry, and keep keep that in mind. So, and when the messenger who spoke to him went away, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a dedicated soldier from among those who waited on him continually, and having explained to them all he wasn't embarrassed of his thoughts of who he was right explained to them all he uh as they were on their way and approaching the city peter went into the housetop to pray about the 6th hour again these prayer times okay so the Aramaic is interesting, and I, I'm not really sure, but either way, um, whether the, there's still that terminology, anyone in your household is a son, that type of thing. So whether they were two blood children of his, or they were just mere servants, it really in some ways doesn't play a huge part maybe in what we're looking at. But the big part is uh, they did, those who went were obedient to Cornelius and being part of this household. So how many, a quick, another, this is going to be like, oh, take remember this, remember this, remember this, okay? How many persons are called for the journey? Cornelius calls two servants and a soldier. Three. He called three people, right? Okay. So, so now it's, we're going to look at Peter. and it be, And Peter, he became hungry and wished to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens open, and a certain vessel, like a great sheet, bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth, in which were all kinds of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creepy creatures, and the birds of the heavens. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill, eat, or slay, and eat. Right? So remember, he was hungry. How hungry was he? Right? How Hungry enough that I believe it plays a part in this trance or the vision that he has here. Yes? Hey, that part about the fourth corner, that reminds me of something that probably people don't think is too interesting today, but that just goes to show you the earth is flat. Yeah. So we have this sheet or this garment coming down. What's that? Linen? A linen. Yeah. Whether it's a tallit or not, I think it's easy to say tallit in the Greek or something. But Yes. To, oh, that, that even adds to what's going on here even more. That's interesting. Uh, because, yes, thank you, Mark. I'm glad you... Yes, because linen is something specific. Uh, Specific to a group of people who wear it at the same time. So, what is Peter's response, right? What is it? He says, but Peter said, not at all, Master, because I have never eaten whatever is common or unclean. One thing we can gather from Peter, ultimately, he only ate, what the law of Moses determines as food, second is this: this vision is not about a dietary change in god 's law either. so I want to set that first, but like a parable it does it does uses sub uh, a subject or an item to re- represent something else to m- to make or To show a deeper, to make a point of something else, to show a deeper truth. Okay? So, in some ways, this vision is like a parable. So, the deeper truth isn't about eating. So, again, food for God's people, those who follow the God of Israel, has already been determined. What that is and what is determined to be food. Okay? Something else here. Because of that, of this vision and what's being said, you think Peter might be saying, man, I might be being tested here by God. Right? I'm having a vision. Right now, I'm going to assume it's from the Most High. But I don't know, he's saying, eat unclean things. (laughs) And you're like, it's getting Peter's attention, obviously. Why would, if this was from Elohim, why would such a vision say, go and eat something I told you was not good? So, I would highly suspect there's things going on in Peter's head, and then later on, we'll see he was puzzled about this whole thing, okay? In many levels, he's puzzled about this many thing, this very thing. Galatians 1.8, however, even if we or a messenger out of the heaven bring good news beside what we have announced to you, let him be accursed. And I'm taking that idea of good news, of not just being about Messiah, about being as there is a God and he has a righteous life for you to obtain and walk after, okay? As we have said before, this is coming from Paul, I believe. As we have said before, and now I'm, I am say again, if anyone brings a good news to you beside what we have received, let him be accursed. So, In somewhat of a nutshell, what's going on there, Paul's saying, if you hear something that's contrary to what has been said, let him be a curse. So maybe that's going on in Paul's head. Well, Paul's relating this, and maybe Peter, this is going through his head. And granted, I'm just speculating here, but you tell me eh, if this might be a possibility in Peter's mind. Because Deuteronomy 13 says this, when there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and I know this isn't a dream, but it's kind of strange here, and he shall give you a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder shall come true, of which he has spoken to you, saying, let us go after another mighty one, another God, which you have not known, and serve them. Do not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For Yahweh Yeho- your Elohim is trying you to know whether you love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and with all your being and with all that. All right? And it goes on to say, walk after Yahweh your Elohim and fear him and guard his commands and obey his voice, and serve him, and cling to him, and that prophet, and then it goes on and on. So the basic point is, I think you can extend it. If you have a vision, and it's contrary to whatever was written before, don't fear that. But Peter's puzzled, because yes, this is going to be something shocking to him, Go and eat this when he knows darn well this isn't clean stuff. Okay? Yes. You know, if you really put yourself in that situation back in the day, not today, back in that day, and knowing what you know that what you were told was right, wrong, or indifferent, you would wonder, even though you're hungry, you would wonder, is this a demonic thing or is this... Really coming from my father yeah i mean it would be it would be tough no no i it, it, it's a puzzling thing thank you' in john first uh, john four one we have this statement, and I think it can be applied here as well, beloved ones, do not believe every spirit, right, but prove the spirits, whether they are of Elohim, because there are many false prophets that have gone out to the world. And I don't think it's too far-stretched is prove your visions, prove your dreams, if they are according to the scriptures themselves. Right? I don't know. But it does. it is interesting what is being said here by Peter. He says... I have never eaten whatever is common or unclean. And I'm going to stick with that word common because for me, it is a better word that should be used there. Now, there might be something, some other word used there, but I think it's a misunderstanding or it doesn't convey the deeper thing going on here. Okay? So he hasn't eaten, I have never eaten what was common or unclean. Clean and unclean are terms related to food. That part makes sense, but this common isn't used in relationship with food. Right? It's not. It's used in relationship with things, objects, people, but not food. The only time it seems to be associated with food is with the priests. And Peter's not a priest. So why would he say, I have not ever eaten anything common? I'm going to show you this word for common. Barry?
2: You you may be answering the question already now that you're going to show about the word common, but it was it's my it's my opinion only that common is what the common the average the normal. We live in a world where where most everyone eats ham, eats shrimp. Shrimp's a big deal. Lobster's a big deal. None of us in this room would touch the stuff, and we know it's it's not even. That we desire it anymore. It's we realize how nasty it really is. We don't desire it. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, you're, but you, you also—that's this—is the interesting part. You've used the word "common" and associated with food. True, but I—but yeah.
2: I didn't mean food. It's the common person because what is what is for people commonly? What mm-hmm. is for what the people do as what they call normal? And it could be, it could be. Say we're exceptional, but that's not how we see it. We see it as it's it's the norm, and we're not doing the norm. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Not because we're wonderful, but it's awful stuff. It's not to be done. It's just it's just bad. And so, what's normal is not good. Common
1: in in some ways, yeah. But I think the, the interesting thing, there's a lot of terminologies that were in thought processes, all in what you said, all in how I was doing, and so all I want to do is go through here and make sure we understand Peter's vision correctly, what's going on. And all you said, it's not wrong, I, I don't, don't, don't misunderstand me, but I think, let me show you, let me show you. This word common, okay, Leviticus 10, do not drink wine or strong drink or know uh, your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting, obviously talking about the priest, and I think this was right after they brought in the strange fire and pff, got zapped, okay, a law forever throughout your generation. So as to make a distinction between the set apart and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. Two different subjects here. And to teach the children of Israel all the laws which Yahweh has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Now, I highlighted that word profane there for a reason. Here is the same word. On the four sides uh, he measured it, he had a wall all around, 500 cubits long and 500 wide. The set-apart to set apart this set-apart place. It's talking about the temple, right? From the common place. Do you see anything wrong there if you use profane
0: all the time? This might help you. Is In in this verse here, um, the word says uh, unholy and unclean. The, the Greek word really isn't and, it's or. So it does change a little bit. It uh, yes. probably, probably tend, lends more to what you're saying. is not and, it's or. No, th- thank you, Mark. But
1: I think this is important for, at least I found it very important. Maybe in the way our thought processes are when looking at things. There is common, and then there is set apart or holy. If something is set apart, it doesn't make all other things wicked or wrong. They are just not set apart. They're not profane. They're just not set apart for a specific purpose. Common, and set apart, to me, at least what I'm seeing, aren't necessarily opposites. OK? Example: The priests were set apart were set apart. so does that make all the other people defiled, who are not a priest? No, they're just common. Brother Paul, if you remember, he uh, and I mean this brother Paul, our brother Paul, in his, in, his, in his past, some of his teachings, and I think it was in Leviticus, maybe I got that right instead of, or was it Numbers? <laughs> well, okay. He pointed out not all people are equal. And I think he did a, sup- a superb job showing you Just that type of idea. The priests were set apart for a job. It didn't mean that if I'm not a priest that I'm, by definition, not holy or defiled. I'm just a stranger or common. I have not been called to be a priest, and by taking so, that job then I would be ultimately, maybe you could throw in wicked and being a stranger. But you see what I'm saying? There, uh, under, To me, there is something there. Go ahead, Paul.
3: One of the things that we might often overlook is that separation or being set apart has been done from the beginning of creation. And every time something or someone was set apart, it was for a purpose. When Abraham was called out, set apart from his family and set apart from his land, he was set apart. He was no longer to be what he had been before. So when you mentioned the priest, the, the entire nation was set apart from Egypt. They were a set apart people and we use the word kadosh or holy. And then out of that, the Levites were set apart from the set-apart people, replacing the firstborn. And then out of that, there were the sons of Kohath that were set apart from the Levites for a purpose. And then the sons of Aharon was set apart from the Levites for a purpose. So being set apart or being chosen is for a purpose. It's not so that you can walk doing what you had done before, acting, thinking, doing what you had done before. It's really for a purpose. There's usually a purpose in being set apart. So here we are on a set apart day at a set apart time to do, to approach. And we would profane the father by trying to approach him in the ways that the nations would do. That's called profaning the Sabbath or profaning something that is set apart and holy, treating it as common. So, yeah.
1: No, I, th- thank you. So this is interesting. I know uh, with our time, we started late. We're not live in stream, um, but I, I'm feeling I, sh- I should kind of wrap it up here. Um, and then we can come back to this, but I want to leave you th- with this couple thoughts here. So if Peter, are we, oh, we're live now, so I should, okay, let me leave, oh, thank, uh, I'm glad you guys joined us, I don't know where about you joined us, and so we're just going to maybe stop here with this thought process, and we'll get right back to it tomorrow, or excuse me, next Shabbat. Peter said, not all, not at all, I will not eat that, Master, because I have never eaten what is common. Or unclean. Like I said, unclean and clean, that makes sense as far as food. But Peter said, I've never eaten what was common. Peter says he never has eaten what was common. I said that he's not a priest. So everything he has eaten would be common and clean. Because the only times Food takes that idea of going from common to set apart is with the priests. So you see what's going. I have never eaten what was common. Well, you're not a priest. Why is he saying that? So let me. I'll. I sh, cliffhanger. Maybe that's what we do. Cliffhanger here. We'll come back next week. And um, in the meantime, I was going to have someone read Numbers 18.8. Read that, and that will let us know a little bit more maybe what's going on here. And maybe a little bit more depth to this vision that, like I said, it even puzzled Peter. Paul.
3: And Yahweh spoke to Aaron, and see, I myself have also given you the charge of my contributions, all the set-apart gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them for you, for their anointing, and to your sons as a law forever. This is yours of the most set-apart gifts from the fire, all their offerings, all their grain offerings, and all their sin offerings, and all their guilt offerings, which they render to me, are most set-apart for you and your sons. Eat it in the most set apart place. Every male eats it. It is set apart to you.
1: So my point is, if it's Peter saying I've never eaten what is common, the opposite said that would be that I've only eaten what has been set apart, and he would never have eaten what would have been set apart because he's not a priest and only the priest eat what is set apart. So next week we'll come back and we'll dissect this vision a little bit more. But I do want to finish saying, again, it has nothing to do with dietary laws. It's a much bigger picture and I think it will help us understand more what's going on here. So Peter would not have eaten anything holy, set apart, as in reference to food. So what's going on? Stay tuned for next week. Shabbat Shalom everyone. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are thank you for your words, your direction. Be with us today and may it be pleasing in your your ears. Amen. Shalom on the line and we'll see you next week.